Good morning. Welcome to worship here at Springfield Church of the Brethren. It is the second Sunday of Advent, December the 6th. Glad to have you all here. Uh, announcements for the week. Um, I don't know. Okay, so Kids Closet is currently on hiatus due to, well, we're on level purple in our county currently with COVID. Um, looking over at uh, the folks do closet. Do we have a planned open date again for it at the moment? Okay, so there, there's no plan as of yet, but I mean, we just made the decision to not open it. So it is currently not open. Um, we are continuing to have Bible study. We have just done the first three chapters of Hosea in the last two weeks, and we're jumping into where Hosea really gets into the prophesizing um, this coming week. The giving tree is in the back, and we can always use underwear and socks for children on that tree because that is the hard thing to get donated, and we don't want the used underwear. Um, so if you're willing and able, please bring it on in and hang it up on the tree. Oh, and uh, newsletters are out this week. Check your mailbox, check your email, and check the back table if you'd like a copy. Are there any other announcements today? So a thank you from our brother Milton for all the cards and all the help he has received. As we move into our time of prayer, uh, well, actually, before that, just one more announcement. We are going to have a couple music that's not in the bulletin. Our uh, brother, Mike, is going to come up here and do the lighting of the candles and a song. Our sister Janice will be singing later in the service. And if you wish to say, stay and sing Advent carols, you are welcome to do so. I believe they'll be out of the red hymnal, all of them. All right, uh, which are on the back table. We can, you can grab at the end. We are doing that post-benediction. If you feel uncomfortable with doing so, you don't feel like you need to stay if you don't want to, but you're also welcome to stay and sing. So, yeah. An update from our brother, Dwayne, who had surgery on his knee this last week. It went very well. He should be home as of yesterday, I believe. I haven't actually heard that update. He is. He is. I'm standing next to his sister. I should just turn to her and look. <laughs> Our brother, Russell, who was in the hospital with COVID-19, is back. And my understanding is that his brother, Jacob, who is also showing symptoms, is doing very well. Are there any other prayers that you wish to lift up, joys or concerns? So Sister Gail's daughter-in-law, Ashley, who has been out of work due to side effects from a car wreck, um, has been allowed to go back for a very limited amount of work. That's wonderful. <laughs> Good size to hear. So uh, the announcement was if you are a member of the choir or you like to sing, 
because you don't have to sing great. They let me in the choir. We, I'm guessing we're playing, thinking about another virtual choir, correct? For the next couple Sundays. Janice would love to meet with you at the back of the church post-worship to discuss that a bit. You might remember that a couple Sundays ago where she came and we filmed each of us up here singing and then compiled it together and it sounded really good. Thank you to all of you who lifted my voice up. Sister Janice was able to find a job, which is absolutely wonderful. I know that's been, that's been a process. And I'm so, I'm so glad to hear that. And her daughter was in a car accident uh, with a deer. But she is, she is fine herself, uh, though the truck needs some work now, which I have taken out at least one car with a deer before, and I know they can do a lot of damage. Prayers for brother Mike's neighbor, Richard, who's who passed away this last week, um, and we'll be moving back to his home then. Well then, uh, Brother Mike is going to come up here with both a fresh set of batteries for me, and we'll be lighting our Advent candle today. Good morning. This Sunday is peace, and I looked it up, and of course you know the internet is absolutely true. Uh, freedom. From disturbance, it's a calm or tranquility. Peace is also a state of, or period where there is no war. Another definition, peace is a stress-free state of security and calmness that comes when there is no fighting or war. Everything and everyone coexists in perfect harmony and freedom. When you feel at peace with yourself, you are content to be the person you are, flaws and all. For me, there's different things you can do to calm and have peace within yourself. Um, I like to collect fish and watch them and feed them, and that's my calm. I hope that you guys have a different way that you have a hobby or something like that that keeps you at calm or at peace. And also, if you want to spread peace to the world, which is more than just peace within yourself, the easiest way to do that is in conversations. When you talk to other people, do you try and bring them a calm or tranquility? Especially this time of year, if you try and do that to other people and instill peace. That's what the season is all about, and that's what Christ taught us for every day of the year as well. So we light the candle this week is peace. Let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me. Let there be peace on earth, the peace that was meant to be. With God as our Father, Brothers, all are we. Let me walk with my brother in perfect harmony. Let peace begin with me. Let this be the moment now. With every step I take, let this be my solemn vow. 
to take each moment and live each moment with peace eternally. Let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me. Let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me. Let there be peace on earth, that the, the peace that was meant to be. With God as our Father, brothers all are we. Let me walk with my brother in perfect harmony. Let peace begin with me, let this be the moment now. With every step I take, let this be my solemn vow, to take each moment and live each moment in peace eternally. Let there be peace on earth, and let it begin with me.
if you'll pray with me. Yes. I'm so sorry, Mark. For those of you at, at home, um, our brother Mark had a scan and they found an aneurysm. He'll be going to see a doctor tomorrow, a nurse, neurosurgeon. you'll pray with me. Creator God, we ask that you are here with us. We ask for your presence. We pray, especially right now, for our brother Mark. We know how frightening it is. Frightening for him. Frightening for all of us. We ask for healing. We ask for the doctor's mind to be steady and clear to give good answers, to make good recommendations. We pray for his healing. We lift up Richard, who lost his wife. We ask that he's comforted as he moves into this new time of life. We ask for healing and presence with Ashley as she works to get back to normalcy. For Janice's daughter, we are thankful for her safety. We ask that she's able to have a way to get to and from work and life, that it doesn't put her back too much. We thank you for healing bodies, for Jacob, for Russell, for Dwayne, for new opportunities. And, and, and prayers long said and answered. We thank you for new opportunities for our sister Janice. But we ask for presence especially, for healing, for comfort, for courage, for peace. We lift all these things up to you, Father. As we say that prayer that you so long ago taught us, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done 
on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Whoops, I'm sorry. <laughs> kind of teared up after the prayer, so can't really see what I'm doing. This mic.
you, Janice. Our scripture today comes from the book of Romans 15, 4 through 13. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, so that by steadfastness and by encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of steadfastness and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another. And together, may you, one voice, glorify God and the Father, the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome one another, therefore, just as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. For I tell you, that Christ has become a servant of the circumcised on behalf of the truth of God in order that he might confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy, as it is written. Therefore, I will confess you among the Gentiles and sing praises to your name. And again, he says, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples praise him. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse shall come, and the one who rises to rule the Gentiles, in him Gentiles shall hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So this is day two, or Sunday two of Advent, and if you looked at the title of the sermon, you may have realized that I, well, took it off a classic song. In fact, one of the nice things about this classic song is that three out of the four Advent Sundays are represented in it. So I had to make up last week, there's no, I've got hope like a, so I made up, I've got hope like a spring, and so this one is, I've got hope. I have peace like a river. I got peace like a river. It's that favorite song of vacation Bible school in camp. I, I honestly, I was trying to remember when I first learned it. I have to assume I was like five or six. I really have no memory of singing it for the first time. But when we moved to camp, right after lunch, they always had a singing time. And mom would often leave us the, at the singing time while she went and helped with dishes or did other things. So it was, you know, an easy way to put the kids somewhere and know they were fine for half an hour while she did something else. You all know the tune and maybe even the movements. There's gonna be a lot of music this week. I apologize, this is my contribution. But you know this one. I've got peace like a river. I've got peace like a river. I've got peace like a river in my soul. I've got peace like a river, I've got peace like a river, I've got peace like a river in my soul. Then there's verse 2, which is, I've got love, like an ocean. 90s, you know, surfing culture was really big in the 90s. For kids my age, just, we all did that. There's also the option you could be a wave. Who wanted to be a wave and be a surfer, right? And then, you know, Joy, like a fountain, strike fountain pose. Anyway, 
And then there's that last verse, which you, you try to have it nice and fast by that point, and you have to do all three, and he goes, I've got peace like a river, I've got joy, love like a fountain, ay, 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 love like an ocean, I've got joy like a fountain in my soul. So on and so There's the really hard version where you have to do, I've got peace, love, joy like a river, ocean, fountain. I hate that one. That's not a good version. But if, if you were to go out on a river, and you want to go on a peaceful river, if you saw a river going like this, I would think twice. River. Never go on a river like this unless you're in a raft. And you mean to go like on it like that. I love whitewater rafting, but that's not a canoe river. river rivers are places of life and death. They're familiar, they're strange. They're always there, and they're always moving, ever-changing, ever-not-changing. Peace and violence, all summed up in this one location. Our lives have these important watercourses running through them. They're, they're how we define where we're from, an area. I went to a school named Juniata Valley. As far as I'm aware, there's not actually a Juniata Valley. Valley, there might be, I'm not sure. But it was named after the river that ran right behind the school. And then later, I moved out to the Susquehanna Valley, which was named after the Susquehanna, near the Swatara Creek. And then I moved to Lancaster, where there's the Conestoga, a name that when a lot of people hear it, they think of the wagons that took settlers out west. Or you you know, if you're Church of the Brethren, you might remember that the Conestoga was the second congregation of the Church of the Brethren here in the United States, or at the time, the colonies. And now I, I live in the state of Ohio, which happens to be named after a river, which translation means the good river. And I even live in a town named Cuyahoga Falls, again, named after a river, a crooked river. That's what Cuyahoga means. I have fond memories of my, my last days in, in high school. We had our senior fun day where we'd go out and they'd take pictures for the video. And it ended with all of us trekking down to the river and jumping in with our clothes on. I remember living in Hershey. We would go over to the Susquehanna as it ran through downtown Harrisburg and we'd take long walks along the river's edge. When we moved to, to Lancaster, we did the same thing at the Conestoga. It was a quiet, peaceful place. There's one particular trail that will always stand out in my memory because it was the last time that our dog, Lady, really took a nice long walk. We had just found out that we were going to have grace. and We were so excited and we just needed to get out and get a little exercise and Lady had a wonderful day. We had her for a couple years after. I mean, she only passed away the September before last. But that was the last day where she was really strong enough to take a good long walk like that. And we passed by the place where Lauren and I committed each to ourselves to each other. Because we got married right there along the Conestoga. But there are also dangerous places. I mean, come on, I live in Cuyahoga Falls, Cuyahoga River, famous for, you know, 
catching fire. <laughs> Hadn't done that in a while, but you know, back in the Juniata, every every spring, especially in May, flooded. Those who lived in Alexandria, the, a lot of the houses that were along the river, they were up a little higher, but they were the the ones that were like 200 years old from when the canal went through. And you would drive down and you would just see sump pumps throwing huge amount of water right onto Main Street. Those who lived in Petersburg weren't so lucky. If you lived in the floodplain of Petersburg, that means you weren't doing very well. And all the houses down there were prefab mod and they were all up on high stilts to keep the water out. And it was always a question every, every year whether the would be high enough or not. And there were big floods when I was, in 2011 it was a huge flood. We had a, I think it was Ivan came through. And the Susquehanna is a major drainage for central Pennsylvania up through New York. The river came up 25 feet. I think it was like the sixth highest it's ever been. That's high enough to come up the two stories worth of um, bank, in, like bank protection and into the capital of Pennsylvania. We, we, you, I had friends who couldn't go to work because their buildings were flooded out in Harrisburg. In, in Hershey, it was also bad. Uh, the river that usually was about 30 yards wide was over a mile across. And some folks lost their lives. And the zoo, the water came up so fast, they lost animals to the river. Rivers are wonderful things, but they're dangerous. It's like petting a sleeping tiger. Beautiful to be near. You hope it stays asleep. We, we can do things to protect ourselves. Because, I mean, in a way, you could have rivers that run through your life. You know, you, you can put dams in your life. Things that you know, okay, things are going to get bad here or there. I have ways to control that. I can dam the waters of my life back, the troubles. And sometimes they work. And sometimes they don't. You can also do things like, you know, I grew up in, in country where we built lots of dikes, great big long mounds along the edge of the river that keep the water from going into people's homes. And the dikes work really well, except when they don't, and then they just become dams that hold the water in place on the wrong side. And I had, I had this rude awakening, kind of realizing something this about a week or so ago. I had a, a friend from high school, someone I considered a really close friend, talk about on a, on a post what it was like for her to grow up talking about how her house wasn't always warm in the winter or dry in the rain, or there wasn't always food in the cabinets. It surprised me a bit because I had no idea. I, I spent a lot of time with this person. She was one of the few people I really considered to be a friend in high school. 
She's even someone I looked up to. She was brilliant. She still is brilliant, but back then, you know, there was a reason why she was always in the top of the class. But I had no idea. She had built up the dikes, she had built up the dam, and she had hidden all of that from us. So we wouldn't know of all the turbulence that was happening in her life. I felt like I was sitting there watching this river, which I thought was placid and relaxed, and I had no idea of what was going on just beneath the surface. I don't think she ever wanted to tell us, and that's why. How, how, how is a river really that peaceful, it feels like? All right, so part of the issue is having peace like a river is a literary device. It's a simile. That's when you describe one thing by saying it's like something else. So, you know, your eyes are blue like the sky. Okay, that probably pictures in your mind, you know, the color of eyes. But then if you kind of overstretch it out and you look outside and go, that's not very blue. You're saying my eyes are gray? And you can overdo it. I mean, the Bible's full of similes. Paul, I mean, uh, Jesus in Matthew loves to use similes. And Paul likes to use them too. In Thessalonians, he says, the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Now, you all probably think of that and you think, okay, so it's going to be quiet. When the day of the Lord, when Jesus comes back, it's going to be quiet. Like, like the baby born in the manger. You aren't probably thinking that Jesus is going to sneak in through the window, steal your silver, your new TV, and leave you with a foreboding sense of discomfort. That's not what we think of when Jesus is going to return like a thief in the night. So we can take it too far. But at the same time, I want to take peace like a river too far. Because it is this play of something that seems so peaceful on the surface sometimes. But we really have no idea of what's going on under the current. And there's one other song that pops into my mind with this. And, and Mike actually came up to me and asked me about this song. And it's popping up in this sermon too. You all know it. It's number 336, which because of the way our blue hymnal is written, it's labeled as When Peace Like a River. And of course, we all know it better as It Is Well With My Soul. Now, Horatio um, Spafford, the man who wrote it, was a lawyer in Chicago. He was also an elder in the Presbyterian Church. He had done pretty well for himself. In 1861, he had married Anna. They were deeply in love with one another. He had become the part, he had become a partner and then the senior partner at the law firm he worked at. He had four beautiful daughters. And he took a lot of this extra wealth and he invested it in property all over Chicago, especially the North End. Now, if you know your Chicago history, or this one always pops up in American history, 1871 was not a good year to own property in Chicago because in October of that year, there was a gigantic fire, the Great Fire of Chicago. And a lot of the wealth that he invested into the properties was banished. He worked hard. That's the kind of man he was. He worked hard. He spent the next couple years trying to build it back up. He actually was doing well. 
He had managed to make it through the fire. He managed to keep his family fed. He even started to prosper again. And so he decided, let's take a family vacation. I've saved up enough money now. Let's, let's take the girls to Europe. Well, it didn't go exactly as planned because of zoning and all those things. It took him longer than he expected to get some business done. So he told his wife, take the girls on ahead. I'll follow up behind you. So in the fall of 1873, his wife left to go to Europe with the girls. Horatio would then receive a telegram from her. The opening line of the very short telegram was, Saved alone. What shall I do? What had happened was a clipper, the Loch Ern, in the fog of night, suddenly discovered it was on a collision course with the ocean liner Ville de Havre. It was too late, and despite their actions to try to avoid, they still ended up ramming the ship mid-ship. Mid Mast collapsed, killing some passengers and crew, destroying some of the lifeboats. As they tried to get other people into the lifeboats, they discovered that they had, during the repainting, had been painted to the deck in their fittings. So the boats couldn't be launched. They were stuck in place. That night, the Ville de Havre uh, lost 226 passengers and crew members, including all four of the daughters of Horatio and Anne. And now Anne was in Europe alone, devastated. Horatio, of course, also devastated and rushed to go to his wife. And as he is in the shipping lanes, going through the same area where the four most precious people in his world died, he sat and wrote, when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like billows, like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. His river was not peaceful. It was flowings over grief and sorrow. Perhaps those on the outside couldn't see it. Perhaps they just saw the placid, calm top of the river. But they did not know what was underneath it. The same as I, I didn't know with my friend. I had no idea of the sorrows, the tragedies, the angers, the current problems that ran just beneath the waves of the river. Just as we can't tell that with anyone. Sometimes sure. Sometimes sure. The, the river's broken up. The, the boulders that were beneath, the obstacles that were beneath come up and you see the rapids. 
and you see someone trying their best to navigate about the boulders through the swirls and the eddies. But far more often, those boulders are hidden beneath the waves, invisibly busting our keels. Today's reading comes out of Romans, where it's not 100% apparent if you just read the book, what the boulders are that are invisibly busting the keels of the Christians in Rome. There were Christians in Rome already. This is before Paul ever got there. The church had been started. We don't know exactly who. But it had come as it had in other places. It had started in the synagogues. It was a Jewish group who believed in Jesus. And then Gentiles started to join. But the Jews fell afoul of the emperor due to rebellions elsewhere. And so he expelled all the Jews out of Rome. Now, what ended up happening then is, of course, you know, it makes a power vacuum in the structure of the church there. And so, whereas before there had been Jewish leaders and perhaps some Gentile leaders. Now there was only Gentile leaders. And after three or four years, the Jews were allowed to return. Now, a lot of them did. However, upon returning, they found a church much changed. A church that previously welcomed them in their style of worship. The fact that they, they worshipped God and Jesus, and they did it in a way that was in line with the Torah as well, that was no longer the typical, and it was looked down on. Essentially, the Jews came back and found their church completely changed and less welcoming of them. That's one of the main reasons why Paul writes this letter, to remind the Christian Gentiles to allow the Christian Jews to come back in that's what Paul's talking about. Like, look, God came to the Jews first. We were the chosen people. Jesus came to us as well. But it's not that you are second class. Them returning doesn't threaten you. It's all part of the plan. So you need to be welcoming. Bring back in your brothers and sisters, even if they practice it a little differently than you, even if they follow the Torah, bring it back. There's no reason for you to cause this strife, this agitation within the church. Instead, achieve unity, achieve community, reach for peace together. I know there isn't a lot of peace right now. I feel like I keep coming back to this every Sunday. And I don't know whether that's just the energy I get from everyone, from the conversations I have, or the fact that the news is playing, or it's just the feeling that I'm going through myself. It feels like we're living in a topsy-turvy world where everyone's arguing with everyone. No one can agree on the facts. There's not a lot of peace.
I want peace like a river. I want to be like Horatio. I, I know he was struggling. I know he was fighting. That there was a lot going on. But at the same time, he had reached a point where he knew it's okay. God's with me in all of this, and I'll just do my best. Whether it's sorrows or joy, we're, we're coming to Advent, we're coming to Jesus being born, we're coming waiting for the peace that is promised in Christ. It doesn't feel like it's here yet because it can't come without Christ but I can still live that way. I can still try to understand. I can still try to be at peace with whatever is happening around me. Because that's the way the river runs. Whether it's flooding around it, whether it's running through an industrial city or through the middle the forest, the river flows consistently, constantly, ever onward, over this trouble, over that trouble. I think we can learn a lot from that, just trying our best to go over the troubles, accepting them for what they are and being at peace that this is what our lives are at this moment and striving to do better as we go along. Christ will come. Christ will come again, and there will be true peace. But we always have the chance to try and live like the peace of the kingdom is always here, to spread that to others, to realize that while we may have arguments and fights with others, that below their own rivers of life, they have their own troubles and sorrows just as we do. And to extend the hand, to lift them up, to be able to reach over our own anger and sorrows and troubles, to offer peace. The peace of the river is peace in times of turmoil, is peace despite the rough patches, is peace despite anger, violence, hunger. It's finding peace during the struggle and being okay with that. So, even if the river's going like this, which, oh Lord, it feels like it's doing that a lot, Let's find peace. Thank you.
I love that she claps every song. As you go out into this world, may you be able to serenely float over the troubles in this and find peace wherever you go. Amen. In the red hymnal, uh, uh, 121.